Inshallah, we'll begin from ayah number 13 of Surah Al-Kahf. We were learning about the story of the Ashab Al-Kahf, the people of the cave. نَحْنُ نَقُصُّ عَلَيْكَ نَبَأَهُمْ We relate to you their story. Whose story? The story of the people of the cave. Who is telling us their story here? Who's telling us the story? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So when Allah is telling us about an event, about something that occurred in history, then what does that mean? Is it true? Yes. Is it beneficial for us to know that? Yes, it is. Because if you think about it, so many things have happened since Adam was created. Isn't it? So many amazing, extraordinary events took place. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala selected a few incidents, alright, and He informed us about them, and He preserved them in His book. Why? For us to recite, for us to learn from, for us to take benefits from those incidents. So don't take this as any other story. No, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala selected the story, made it part of His book for our benefit. So the purpose, the reason why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is telling us the story is also beneficial. Meaning there's good for us in learning about this incident. So نَحْنُ نَقُصُّ عَلَيْكَ نَبَأَهُمْ بِالْحَقِّ Who were they? إِنَّهُمْ fityatun. Indeed, there were some youths, some young men who were strong and able in body, who were strong in willpower, who were strong in their faith. And what was special about these men? آمَنُوا بِرَبِّهِمْ They believed in their Lord. They believed in Allah. وَزِدْنَاهُمْ And we increased them. huda In guidance. So this story is a story of young men who believed in Allah. And Allah showed them the way through their struggles. Allah showed them. Allah guided them. He increased them in their guidance as these men faced struggles. Don't we all want that? That when we start something good, or when we want to become better, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala shows us the way? Because whenever you do something good, remember there are problems. There are challenges. Internal as well as external. Many times, I come across people you know, who graduated from Al-Huda, and they go back to their world, you know, of school, of university, of work. And then when I see them after a few weeks, they say, you know, it's so difficult to go to school. It's so difficult to go back to work. Because there's so much pressure, and there's so much, everybody's so different, and there are so many fitnas, and so on and so forth. Life is difficult. And only Allah can be your guide. وَزِدْنَاهُمْ huda. Allah guided these people through their struggles. And if we ask Allah for guidance, Allah will also guide us through our struggles. And remember that every person, their struggle is unique. One person is struggling with his family, with her family, with her spouse, with her children. Another person is, is struggling at school with their friends. Another person is struggling you know, with their co-workers, with their boss, or the kind of work that they're doing. Each person is struggling in their own way. Because each person is being tested by who? By who? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Remember the beginning of the surah? What did we learn? What did we learn about life from the beginning of the surah? لِنَبْلُوَهُمْ أَيُّهُمْ أَحْسَنُ عَمَلًا This life is a test. 
And the thing is that our religion, Islam, is a religion that requires constant growth and constant you know, spiritual development. You never reach a stage where you can say, yes, now my iman is perfect. And yes, now my fear of God is perfect. And now my taqwa is really good. Now I'm stable. Now I'm good. No way. This is a religion that pushes us to constantly grow and improve and become better. For example, salah. I'm sure there must have been a time when you performed your salah and you thought, yeah, you know, that was good. That khushur was good. And then what happened five days later? What happened a month afterwards? Where did that khushur go? So can you ever reach a level of, yes, khushur, and now I'm good. I don't need to worry about khushur anymore, now I need to worry about other things. Never. You know, you were struggling with, for instance, your language, and you force yourself and you develop a habit of using good words, using polite speech, watch your tone, everything, and then what happens? You reach that level, and then after a few weeks you see, you're going down again. Right? So what do you need always? That Allah is constantly guiding you. You need two things for improvement. Knowledge, that you keep learning about what to do, how to improve, what else you can increase in. And secondly, you constantly need ability. Ability to implement what you know. Ability to seize the opportunity that has come your way so that you can improve. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the one who gives knowledge. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the one who gives ability. Now these guys, what happened with them? Allah says, آمَنُوا بِرَبِّهِمْ وَزِدْنَاهُمْ هُدَىٰ Allah increased them in guidance. Both types of guidance. Guidance of irshad, of ilm, of knowledge. And guidance of tawfiq, of ability, of amal. وَزِدْنَاهُمْ هُدَىٰ Both knowledge and ability come from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But when? When a person trusts upon Allah, he strives to do his best, he has a desire and a yearning to improve, to become better, he is doing his utmost, then what will happen? Allah will also guide him, as we will learn in the story. Because these guys, once they embraced Islam, they didn't just sit back and say, oh, Allah will guide us, Allah will protect us, Allah will take care of us. No, they made a plan. They said, we have to do something. And then they left their homes, they went secretly to the cave. Did Allah guide them? Yes, He did. Did Allah take care of their affairs? Yes, He did. But did they have to do something as well? Yes. You have to want to remain guided. And if you want to be on the right path, Allah will keep you on the right path. When you go to school, and you see everybody is doing strange things, and you say, oh, this is too difficult if I'm the only one who's different. Then what does that mean? You're agreeing to become like them. And when you will agree to become like them, you don't mind, then what will happen? It's just a matter of time. One month, two months, five months, a year, what will happen? You will become just like them. But when you will want to remain guided, you say, no, this Qur'an I do not want to leave. My salah, I do not want to compromise on. Ya Allah, you protect me. Ya Allah, you save me. And you act upon what you know. Then Allah will also guide you. وَزِدْنَاهُمْ هُدَىٰ وَرَبَطُنَا عَلَىٰ قُلُوبِهِمْ رَبَطُنَا From رَبْط What does رَبَطَ mean? رَبَطَ is to tie, to fasten, to bind. You know, for example, we learn in the Qur'an about رِبَاطُ الْخَيْلِ Tying horses. You know, keeping them ready and prepared. 
So, وَرَبَطْنَا عَلَى قُلُوبِهِمْ We tied their hearts. Meaning, we made their hearts firm. Like the mother of Musa salam, When she had to put her baby in a box, and then put that box in the river, what happened? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, لَوْلَا أَرَّبَطْنَا عَلَى قَلْبِهِ If we had not tied her heart, meaning made her heart firm. So Allah made her heart firm. Likewise, these men, Allah made them, made their hearts firm, meaning He gave them strength in their heart, patience, courage, confidence. When? إِذْ قَامُوا When they stood. When these men, they stood up, despite the fact that the entire nation was different, despite the fact that the entire nation was doing something completely opposite to them, the nation was engrossed in shirk. And these men had renounced shirk. So they stood up, فَقَالُوا And they said, رَبُّنَا Our Lord is رَبُّ السَّمَاوَاتِ وَالْأَرْضِ He is the Lord of the heavens and the earth. Imagine the entire nation is doing shirk. And what are these men saying? Our Lord is who? Only one. The Lord of the heavens and the earth. They are saying something that is first of all different from what the rest of the society is saying. And secondly, they're saying something which will definitely you know, bring a lot of problems to them. Which will definitely put them in a lot of trouble. So what made them so strong? What gave them the confidence? Who gave them the confidence? Allah gave them the confidence. Why? Because they wanted to remain guided. They wanted to remain guided. Because generally what happens? As people, we become afraid when we are alone. When we stand out, when we are different, you know, if we are dressed differently, or if we are doing something different, we're saying something different, we're eating something different, then what happens? We begin to feel alone. And when we feel alone, we feel afraid. And because of that fear, what happens is that we want to give up what is making us different from the rest of the people, and we want to become just like them. Now the thing is that with regards to many things, it's okay if you're like the rest of the society. You eat, they eat. You go to school, they go to school. You work, they work. Fine, no problem. But then there are some things where you cannot be like the rest of the people. Where? Where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given you certain commands. He has given you certain limits that you have to abide by. Certain restrictions that you have to remain within. So for example, when it comes to eating, just because everybody's eating something or drinking something, doesn't mean you can also indulge in that? Doesn't mean you can also indulge in that? No. Just because everybody is dressed in a particular way, doesn't mean you can also dress in that way? No. There are some guidelines that Allah has given us. And I'm sorry, but many of these guidelines are very visible, tangible. Because they're not just the state of your heart. They are about your body, about your actions, about your dress. And as much as you would like to keep this matter private, it cannot remain private. It becomes public. Right? And there we have two options. Either become afraid of people and give in, or stand firm, hold on to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and Allah will give you firmness. Allah will give you strength. Allah 
will keep you firm on what is right. If you become just like the rest of the people, you become like them. There's nothing different between you and them. Is there anything wrong about that? Is there anything wrong about that? What is? What's the problem with that? If I dress the way people in my school are dressing, what's the big deal? So what if I don't wear this hijab? What's the big deal? Because if there's no problem, then let's go home without hijab today. Is there a problem? What's the problem? Okay, you're disobeying Allah. So? Yes? You're compromising your religion. So? Tell me like some consequences. Am I going to be in trouble? I mean, I think I'll be having fun. Show my hair. You know, look nice. Just fit in so nicely with everybody. There are no serious consequences, at least in this life. Yeah? Exactly. Mata'un qalil. It's temporary enjoyment. You will have friends. Okay. You will look cool. Fine. You will look like that model. Okay. You will look really nice. Fine. But this is all temporary enjoyment. For a few years, you will have fun. But then what are you going to say when you face your Lord? And He asks you, that I blessed you with this and this and this. And I asked you to abide by these rules. Did you observe them or did you fear people more? And you wanted to please people more. The thing is, that when it comes to the matters of deen, we take them very lightly. We become afraid of people. We want to fit in. And we forget that there are serious consequences in the akhirah. Salah. If you're getting up in your school, in the middle of your class, to go and pray, you look like a total weirdo. Hmm? Because everybody else is having fun. Everybody else is sitting. And here you are getting up in the middle, going to the washroom, taking your hijab off and washing your arms in public. You look strange. You look different. One option is leave your salah and just pray everything at night when you go home. And the other is that no, you pray there. Even if people laugh at you. Even if you feel very, very scared. You remain firm. You know, Allah will give you firmness if you try to be firm. Because وَالَّذِينَ جَاهَدُوا فِينَا لَنَهْدِيَنَّهُمْ سُبُلَنَا Those people who strive for our cause, we guide them. Allah guides them. Allah shows them the way. But you have to take the first step. And all you need is the strength in your heart. You need to believe that what you're doing is right. And once you believe what you're doing is right, then you won't have any fear of people. You won't be afraid of people if you believe you are right. Allah will give you firmness. وَرَبَّطْنَا عَلَىٰ قُلُوبِهِمْ And then slowly they will just leave you alone and be like, you know, no, she's like that, just leave her. Oh, they won't even invite you to Masiyah. They will consider you of those people that who will always remember Allah and that you will always wound their gathering or their circle. Yeah. I mean, you set your limits, all right? And you set your rules. Nobody has to define your rules for you. You decide what you want to do in your life. If something is important to you, you do it. Regardless of what people say. I mean, these days, especially in the winter, many people have this issue, you know, with Zuhr Salah and Asr Salah. At school, at work, what do I do? What can I do? How can I leave in the middle? 
You know, there are many people who will say, I can't, you know, get out for Zuhur or I cannot leave my work at Asr. So I will have to join or I will have to delay. Once in a while it's okay if it happens. But every day? Every day is not okay. You cannot keep joining your prayers. Nor can you keep delaying them deliberately. In fact, that is a major sin. To delay your prayer deliberately is a major sin. But there are other people who will go to their principal, who will go to their boss or whoever, and will speak to them. That look, I will get my work done. I promise, I will do my work, I will not waste my time, and just excuse me for five minutes. Give me time for five minutes, and I will just pray and get back to my work. And if you try, then Allah will make a way for you. Are there not so many examples of children in school finding a place for prayer? There are, right? Recently I was watching a video about this Irish man who was a teacher, right? And he said that in the month of Ramadan, he was a teacher in a school, and he said in the month of Ramadan, there were some Muslim kids who requested their principal if they could get a room to pray salah in. Because they said it's Ramadan, we're fasting, and we really need to pray. So anyway, they were given a room to pray in. However, the principal appointed this teacher that you have to keep an eye on these kids when they're praying. Because they're kids, and they will say they want to pray, but they're not necessarily praying. So he said that for the whole month of Ramadan, I was sitting at the back of the room when the kids would come and pray. And that was my job, to watch them while they were praying. And he said, for the first few days I watched them, and uh, I was like, okay, interesting. And then he said, after a few more days, I realized that, you know, they're doing something interesting. And he said that while they would be praying, I would be searching about Muslim prayer. What is it that the Muslims say in their prayer? Why they pray in that way? And he said that that became one of the main reasons that led him to Islam. Watching school kids pray. Watching school kids pray. These are kids and they're taking their prayer seriously. This is how you do da'wah also. But you know what our problem is? We will go speak to our teacher. Can I have five minutes to pray? And we'll go hang out somewhere. And one night they called me to go to another center. So I was thinking, the center I work for, so that center they know I pray every time, so they're fine with it. So when I have to go to another center, then that night they called me, can you go? I said, okay, I'll go. But I was just thinking about my pray, how I'm going to pray over there. So as soon as I reached there, the director came to me and said, oh, you're fine. I'm, well, I'm really happy that you came. I said, if you need anything, just call me. So I told her, like, I'm absolutely fine, but I just need five minutes to pray. So she said, oh, yeah, yeah, don't worry about it. Then she said, okay, whenever you need to pray, just call me, I will come. So I called her and she opened her main office for me. Then I went to her office and I prayed in her office. So after my prayer, she came to me and she had a little bit conversation with me, like why people wear this kind of hijab or like scarf or this kind. So at least like she opened her main office for me to pray. So Alhamdulillah, it was really great. And she was so nice. She said, don't worry anything. Whenever you need, just call me and go to pray. Alhamdulillah. And when you have to talk to someone and ask them, can I please get five minutes to pray? It is such a daunting task. It's like, you know, you're dying almost. You're like sweating and you have no life and you feel so afraid, so nervous. But, you know, ask Allah for strength. Make dua, Rabbi shrahli sadri wa yassirli amri. Allah, you know, make my task easy for me. Wahlul uqdatan min lisani. Yafqahu qawli. You know, make it easy for me. Ask Allah for help. Go ahead. 
Actually, I personally felt so many times where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has guided me to do the right thing. Just yesterday, I was at the library because I had to go for a meeting. It was 5 to 7. And like, I asked my dad to drop me at 4.30 because he had to go to the masjid. And then there was the matter of where do I pray Maghrib Salah. And the library was kind of packed. Like, there wasn't a private place you could go to. And you know, just for a second, I got the thought that maybe I can just pray when I go home, even if it was 7. And then I said, no, astaghfirullah, that's not all right. So anyways, I tried finding the meeting room and there was no one there yet because it was 4.45. And there was a lady there who was in charge and I asked her, you know, can you please tell me where Northeast is? I just have to pray. And she was like, yeah, go ahead. I'm just going to step out for five minutes so you can take however long you want to pray. It was completely empty. It was completely silent. And, you know, I really felt like, Alhamdulillah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala really does help you. Yeah. But you have to take that first step, right? And if you don't take that step, then what? You think like a, somebody's going to come out to you from nowhere and tell you, oh, would you like to pray? You can pray here. You have to take the first step. I, um, just a quick, because um, I worked in the corporate sector for years, so I just want to share my example. I worked for Bell for years, a big company, right? And um, I have seen how they have accommodated people, like white people, non-Muslim people. They go above and beyond. So we have a director room. We have the quiet room next to that, to the VP room. Anybody could go and pray. And um, I used to manage people. And there will be special accommodation made for the breaks, for the, uh, for the um, Jummah Salat, for the people. What I'm trying to say here, if we ask or if we step up, the people will come ahead and they will accommodate. Okay. My husband works for IBM and he said there's a mosque and there's a Islamic washrooms in the basement. So, subhanAllah, anybody can go and just pray, right? It's yeah. just, uh, it's everywhere. It's just, we should never, we should never be afraid. Exactly. We should never be afraid. You want to say something? Assalamu alaikum. I was also, um, I recently I noticed where we pray in the vice principal's office every time for Allah Salah. And Alhamdulillah, we've been consistent. So we go every day. Even if the girls can't pray, the guys go in and they pray Salah. Initially, the vice principal was very hesitant, right? But now she's gotten used to it. And she's like, if it's busy, she, give, she guides us to another room. So the other day, there's a portrait of like the founder of the school. And we normally remove it down and then we pray Salah. We left and one of my friends came in late, so she sort of broke the portrait. So at first she sort of cried and then later on she went to the vice principal's room to confess. And she went to the vice principal and she's all nervous because the vice principal didn't know we used to remove it because he just put it up carefully. So she went and she confessed honestly and she told her that, you know, we sort of broke the painting of the founder. And the vice principal, subhanAllah, she wasn't, you know, mad or upset. She was like, it's okay, stop crying, you can go, no problem. The lesson that I took was, I think she saw that, you know, whatever we did, we were sincere towards it. And if we had to do something like remove the picture, it was something that was necessary. And because she saw how dedicated we were, she didn't take it as such a big thing. Yes, alhamdulillah. Assalamu In our school, we have a large Muslim population, alhamdulillah, so we have Friday prayers. And my last class on Friday is always Spanish. And in my Spanish class, there's a lot of Muslim guys and girls. And the guys are very, like, guys, they don't, like, listen to the teacher and stuff. But they always go to the Muslim prayers. And the teacher always on Fridays, even if, like, usually in our homework and such, we get caught up and sometimes we forget. And the teacher, she's not Muslim, and she reminds us, you have to go to Friday prayers. 
And I think she knows like how important it is for us. And I like last week I forgot because I had a lot of stuff going on. And she came and she like you said, I don't you have to go to fighter period. And Alhamdulillah, you even these non-Muslims they get caught up and they have they, even like she has a lot of her stuff to do, but she reminded me. Yeah. So see, you set your rules, you set your boundaries. You tell someone what is important to you, what you have to do, and at the same time, what you cannot do at any cost, ever. So, وَرَبَطْنَا عَلَىٰ قُلُوبِهِمْ إِذْ قَامُوا فَقَالُوا رَبُّنَا رَبُّ السَّمَاوَاتِ وَالْأَرْضِ They said, our Lord is the Lord of the skies and the earth. لَن نَدْعُوَ We shall never call مِن دُونِهِ Besides Him إِلَاهًا A God Meaning we're never ever going to call upon any God besides Allah. We are going to ask only Him when we are in need of something, and we're going to worship only Him. Laqadukulna, certainly we would say, Idan then. When? If we were to call upon other than Allah, then we would be saying a statement that would be shatata. Shatat from the root letters Sheen Ta Ta. Shatat is basically to go to an extreme, to go too far. For example, the word shutut from the same root is used for a house that is very, very far, like in a remote place. Very far, in a remote place. And sometimes you see such houses in the middle of nowhere. There's no main road that connects to it. And then even if there is a street, then the driveway is so long. Right? You wonder uh, how they put their garbage out. Right? Honestly, if it's such a long driveway, how is it that they bring their garbage out, especially in winter? So anyway, shutut is a house that is remote. Now from this, the word shutut is used for something that is exceeding its due bounds, that is far from what is right. So they said that if we were to call upon other than Allah, then we would be saying a statement that is far, far from reality. It would be extremely unjust. It would be extremely unfair. So what do we see? That these men, they believed in Allah. They believe that Allah is the Lord, He is Ar-Rabb. So they believed in His Rububiyyah. And they also believed in the fact that He alone deserved worship. They believed in Allah's Uluhiyah. And they made this assertion of Tawheed and rejection of Shirk. When? At a time when there was a very tyrant king who was you know, ready to kill anybody who believed in Allah alone. So this shows that when you're alone and you're doing something different from what the rest of the society is doing, it's very important to find like-minded people. Even if there are few. Because these were seven men, right? And they're talking amongst themselves. So when you talk about these things amongst yourselves, then it increases you in faith. It increases you in determination. You know, for example, this discussion that we had just now about making your prayer a priority, no matter where you are, and don't be afraid. Does that make you stronger? It does, right? It reminds you and it keeps you firm. So likewise, these men were talking amongst themselves in order to be more determined, increase in their determination and strengthen one another also. Let's listen to the recitation of these verses. Because 